Hello, happy people. Welcome to the Profitable Happiness Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Pillay with the Profitable Happiness Podcast. And today I have with me a very special guest, actually a friend of mine who lives in the same city, Austin, Texas, <laughs> and someone who I have once interviewed. I've had the honor of meeting and interviewing before. This is John Livesey, the pitch whisperer who helps you become the very best black belt in telling stories as a means of business development. John, how are you doing today? I'm great. It's great to be back with you. And I love that we both love Austin. <laughs> yeah. And, and by the way, we were just talking about how Tesla is moving here and all this stuff is happening and the excitement of the new yes. development areas. So we'll, we'll have to go check all those things out. But John, I am just so thrilled to have you back because, you know, I think there's a saying, you don't really uh, have a satisfied customer until the second time they come back. <laughs> mm, good point. Right? Yes, the first time business. is just a test. So the fact that I reached out to you again, I hope that tells you just how much I enjoyed uh, our honored. first conversation. Yes, thank you. Tell us your story again, though. Let's go way back. How did you become sure. the authority in story selling that you are today? Yes. Well, I actually uh, majored in advertising when I was in college. I was completely fascinated with the connection between um, show business and business. And advertising is kind of the nice mix of that. And in fact, a commercial is a 30-second story. And, you know, never did I dream that I would, you know, years later be interviewed by Ad Age on what I thought were the best Super Bowl commercials. But uh, it's, it's quite the wonderful journey. So my career started out in Silicon Valley selling multi-million dollar computers to big companies. And I realized that it wasn't about the technology. It was still about the outcomes of what the technology did that allowed people to understand what you're saying. And you had to deal with the psychological issues of, oh, if we buy something that's not IBM and it breaks, I'll get fired. But if I buy all IBM and it breaks, I won't get fired. So there was a lot of unspoken fear and uncertainty and doubt going on. Fud. Went, huh, fud. That's, um, there's more to the selling than just having something faster or less expensive. So um, I really learned what motivated people to make a decision. And then I moved to Southern California and was working in an ad agency. And our job was to, my job was to go out to the studios and convince them to let us create their commercials when the movie came out on home video. Remember those days? Mm -hmm. And um, we could reposition the movie if it hadn't done well theatrically. And I really got the essence of what a movie commercial could be and how you could totally change whether somebody wanted to see a movie based on how you edited it and what music you put to it and where you aired the commercial. So I really honed my storytelling skills in there. And then I had a 15-year sales career at Condé Nast where I would sell advertising to big companies like Lexus and Nike and Banana Republic. And I realized that it wasn't who had the biggest reach, it was whoever told the best story to those mm -hmm. brands that they could say, oh, why does your audience feel like the most likely candidate to buy our product, whether it was a car or fashion or what have you? And I realized we had to create a story around the magazine and the marketing ideas that we came up with. And then in the last six years, I've been out on my own 
um, speaking to company sales teams since I've been in their shoes on the power of how to tell a, a good story that makes you memorable because that's the big problem is people forget what you say after you leave. Yeah, so yeah. Um, my passion is helping people become storytellers because it takes you from being pushy to being persuasive. Ooh, from pushy to persuasive. You know, many people would probably agree that there's a magic to storytelling. In fact, it's no longer a thing that we have to convince people of. They've heard about it. But if you, as an expert in this field, were to sort of unpack this a little bit for the person who's listening, who may be like, well, yeah, okay, fine. Tell a story. Yeah, okay, of course I can tell a story. <laughs> can you tell them exactly what is it about storytelling that is so magical and powerful, as you say, from, you know, uh, you know, just talk to persuasion inside of storytelling? What is that? And then we'll talk about how they can get it later. But what exactly is this magic? Well, the magic is it's how we're wired. You know, think back days when we lived in caves, they would paint stories on the walls and sit around campfires. Now we sit around Zoom calls and tell stories. But we're, if you say to somebody, let me give you some information and analyze this, then it's the left side of our brain trying to figure out if this is right. But if I say, let me tell you a story, oh, it goes to a different part of our brain where imagination and storytelling and listening and empathy live and our defenses go down and we think, oh, this might even be entertaining. And the magic happens, and this is what I love teaching people how to do. When you tell a story that other people see themselves in, mm. then they want to go on the journey with you. So the first mistake that people make is they make themselves the hero of the story. Mm. That is not what you do. You are the Sherpa in the story. Your client is the hero of the story. And then any good story has some high stakes involved. Mm -hmm. So we've got to paint that picture of what the problems are. And the better you describe the pain points of someone in the story, the better people think, oh, you must have a solution to it. Mm -hmm. And then the real secret sauce is the resolution. What happens after you've worked with someone or they bought something from you? Imagine if the Wizard of Oz ended when Dorothy got in the balloon to go back to Kansas. Mm -hmm. Bye, Dorothy. Have a nice life. But instead, there's this wonderful scene where she's at home and she's like, oh, there's no place like home. And you were there and I learned all these lessons. That's what makes that a classic story. So people think, oh, I can maybe tell a story, but I don't know how to do it. And I don't know how to do it consistently. And I probably am not having a resolution. And when you put all those pieces together and it's something anyone can learn, mm -hmm. then you go from being forgettable to memorable. And wow. th then that's what people want to, you've taken them on an emotional journey and People buy emotionally and back it up with logic. And so many of us have heard this fake thing. We've heard it for years, right? Well, in order to get someone to buy from you, they have to know, like, and trust you. Exactly. We've heard it a hundred times or a million, <laughs> whatever. But <laughs> the problem is people go, oh, well, if you have to know me, let me tell you everything about my company and my product. Do you know yeah. enough yet to buy? And it's like, wait, that's not how people buy. So we mm. have to flip the script and tell a story that pulls them in with building trust and likability, and then answering this unspoken question everybody has. Will this work for me? Ooh, ooh. Because if they you don't know, see themselves in the story or thinking this, well, you're telling me about some other people you helped or had success, but if I don't see this working for me, I'm still not going to buy. I'm not going to buy, yeah. You, you, you know, at, when you mentioned that last part, you know, the sort of will it work for me question that everybody has in their head, mm. you know, I thought immediately about, what I let's I'm just going to loosely call this the fear of sales. 
that we yes. all have. You know, you know how you walk into a department store and then you see that guy coming over to you and you know he's coming to sell you something. <laughs> and so you take a, yeah. <laughs> you take a quick beeline to somewhere else. Um, how does storytelling help us with that fear? I mean, how do we how does it help to disarm people enough so that they can at least listen to you? Well, if you um, tell a story with a really great opening where you're painting a picture and someone, oh, you're not talking about trying to push something to me. Yeah. So let me give you what I call a case story instead of a case study. Again, mm. the concept of a case study has been around for decades and it's usually very dry and factual and there's no drama in it um, or, and it's kind of, can be a little boring even. So mm -hmm. um, the first part of it is the exposition, the who, what, where, when. You gotta give some details to get people interested in, to, into the story and then describe that problem with some high stakes, describe the solution and the resolution. So the old way of doing it was, um, I was working with a medical company and I said, what are you saying to doctors to get them to buy this? Oh, our equipment makes the surgeries go 30% faster. Do you want one? <laughs> left brain numbers. Yeah, yeah. It's like 30% faster. What the doctor's got to do some math. Like, <laughs> I guess I could make yeah. more money or do one more yeah, surgery. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know. So now they, uh, the story that I trained them to tell is, imagine how happy Dr. Higgins was down at Long Beach Memorial six months ago using our equipment. And he could go out to the patient's family in the waiting room an hour earlier than expected. And if you've ever waited for someone you love to come out of surgery, you know every minute feels like an hour. He came out, put them out of their waiting misery and said, good news, the scope shows they don't have cancer, they're gonna be fine. And then turned to the rep and said, you know, that's why I became a doctor for moments like this. Mm. Now that rep tells that story instead of the 30% faster number mm -hmm. to another doctor who sees themselves in that story and says, you know what, that's why I became a doctor. I want yeah. your equipment too. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you switch from the numbers to the emotion yes. and you connected there. And of course, you can always go back to the numbers and finish up the, the logical right. piece of this. The 30% faster means he gets to come out. And the client said to me, wow, that gives us chills. Not only are we not telling stories, but it never occurred to us to tell a story with the character of the patient's family in it. Mm. We would just talk about the hospital staff or the patient, but never the patient's family, the mm. impact that would have. And you see how I pulled you into the story by saying, if you've ever waited for someone you love, mm -hmm. and then suddenly you're visualizing that. And even if you haven't had to go through that horrible experience, I have, and that's what made me be able to have such empathy for it. Um, you probably know someone who had to wait for someone they love to come out of surgery. Yeah. So all of those little techniques is what allows that story to really work. Yeah, no, that, that's really powerful. And, and uh, you know, on that note, I'd love to maybe scale back a little bit Hmm. And talk about the people you serve, the people you help. Um, you've mentioned yep. uh, some examples, but give us a sense. I mean, anyone listening to, hear, to this may say, okay, is he talking to me? Am I one of those people? Yeah, give, right. give us a sense of maybe the ideal type of people you help, sure. the challenges they uniquely have to deal with, and then the yep. changes that you bring to the table for them. Well, um, anyone who's a coach and loves coaching and hates selling <laughs> mm. uh, to get someone to hire them. Uh, like consultant. all of us, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I've also worked with a lot of speakers who have to sell themselves to get hired as a speaker against other speakers that are being interviewed. And mm -hmm. just entrepreneurs in general that have to sell something and don't know how to do it in a way that doesn't feel pushy. So mm -hmm. one of my clients, Rose, is a uh, coach. And um, 
we crafted a really wonderful little elevator story for her to get people intrigued enough to want to know more. And it's, uh, you know, have you ever thrown your jeans in the dryer and they come out and uh, they shrunk and you want to blame the dryer and you know, it's probably you eating too much during COVID. <laughs> so she's like, you know, my company's button those jeans and I help women with stress eating issues, figure out how to button the jeans without getting frustrated. So she loved that little help. And so she went, oh, I need help telling stories throughout my whole process. So we turned a boring case study into a case story for her of a woman that was on this emotional roller coaster of depending on what the scale said that would set her mood for the whole day and realized mm -hmm. that it wasn't about the diet. It was the stress and not knowing what else to do except stuffing down the feelings. So after working with Rose for six months, she was no longer a slave to what the scale said or whether she could button jeans. And um, so she was, oh, great. I got a great case story now. It's where I'm cooking. And then I kept working with her in my Facebook group for my students. And she says, now it gets a little clunky because I don't know how to, I say, is it okay if I uh, tell you about the investment to work with me? And people go, well, I guess. And I said, oh, Rose, you're doing it all wrong, but it's not your fault. So you, after you got the elevator story that pulls people in to want to know more, then you're actually having a conversation with them about how you help people. And they see themselves in that story. You simply ask this magic question. Does that sound like the kind of journey you'd like to go on with me? Awesome. Boom. She got two clients in a week. She's no longer feeling awkward or pushy. The clients feel like it's an invitation because we've done such a good job on crafting her story that people see themselves in that that's just the natural next step without it feeling awkward to anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, as I listen to you, I'm wondering in this new COVID world, you've mentioned the COVID situation a couple of times you know, what's changed in terms of the opportunities we get to tell our mm -hmm. stories. You know, I mean, now we're all on Zoom, I suppose, and limited uh, interaction. Um, where can we tell our stories? When can we tell our stories? Do we just blurt them out whenever we see someone? Or is there a, a strategy somewhere in there to, to tell our story? Well, um, storytelling is even more important virtually than it was in person. Mm. Because... The problem again is you're not memorable after the Zoom meeting ends, unless you've told a good story that someone can remember and share with other people. That's what makes it memorable and connected. So yes. if you're not telling stories that hook people, then you're just pushing out facts or showing a bunch of slides. Like and when I give virtual presentations now, I have special effects. So I talk to people when they get nervous about getting the butterflies. Hey, wait a second. Is that something climbing on your screen? <laughs> it's butterflies flying across I love my that. screen. Yes. <laughs> so suddenly it's no longer just a Zoom call. It's an mm -hmm. interactive experience. I tell a story of when I was a lifeguard, I had to save a little girl. <gasps> and she was underwater two seconds too long. Well, now I have my face in a circle underwater for those who are just listening. So awesome. there's all kinds of new ways that you can get your stories amplified in this virtual world. And, you know, we all know we get stressed out from time to time. And I tell mm. people it's all of our thoughts that cause that. But what if we rearrange our thoughts? Like I'm rearranging these letters Ooh. and it turns into something pleasant. So, okay. So, so hold on a second for anyone who's hearing me going, ooing and eyeing, and if you're not watching the video of this, <laughs> John, you've been sharing like visuals and like you've been underwater and yes. that's, that's a whole course right there, my friend. <laughs> yes. Well, it's all about taking storytelling to another level with yes. special effects and even music. 
The world needs what you have to offer. It's time for us to all go out there and tell our stories. So there's all kinds of new ways that we can connect with people emotionally uh, and virtual storytelling. Okay, you know, I think I'm done. Like what you've just done, like I'm, you know, what else can I say? This is amazing stuff. Okay, so, you know, okay, you brought up music and you know how I feel about music and the connection for me, which is another form of storytelling. In fact, one of my favorite advertisements ever was the Coca-Cola commercial of, gosh, 70s or something like that. We love to teach the world to sing, that kind of thing. You know, music as a part of story selling and storytelling, mm-hmm. how does that work? How is it that music actually does a function for us that's similar to what stories do? It puts us in a different brainwave. Mm. You watch a movie with no soundtrack, it won't be nearly as interesting. Uh, same thing for a commercial. So music tells us whether this is a stressful moment, mm. a happy moment, an emotional moment. It adds to what we're seeing and hearing. Yeah. And that music that I just played there for a second ago is how I end my talks. And Ooh. usually the story I'm telling underneath that music it gets people to feel something, sometimes yeah. even tears in the eyes. Wow. Wow. Well, I, I, I can tell you right now that that, you know, adding the special effects, the visuals and the music at the end there, that yeah. touched me. I just, I wasn't expecting it. Um, and and yeah. it just added to the stories you've already been telling. Nice. You know, but now on the note of, of stories, you've already told a couple already, but I usually like to get stories out of people. So for yes. you, it'll be easy. It'll be easy. But do you have any favorite stories of success? Like, you know, what is, what's the climax? What's, what does success look like for someone who has gone through your training, your coaching and is really able to stand on their, you know, their stories. They know how to tell this now. What does that look like? Well, it's, it's extremely rewarding for me because I see them stumbling at the beginning of it, going, mm-hmm. I got this great product. I'm a great coach, but nobody knows it. And I don't know how to sell myself and I hate selling myself. But if I can just become a storyteller and then people see themselves, I got an amazing little video from one of my coaches who's a student. He goes, I just got someone to sign up to hire me as a coach for $2,500 by telling a story. And I told, it was all within 15 minutes because I was able to, you know, they told me what their pain point was. I told a story of somebody else I worked with and boom, they said, Oh my God, you get me. I want to hire you. How much is it? And then it was, it was the easiest sale he's ever made as a coach. And I think that that is really what we're doing is we're, we're pulling people in with our stories. And when that happens, everybody wins because you're no longer pushing and nobody feels sold to. And they in fact feel connected to you. Mm -hmm. Does it work the other way, John? You know, like for example, I've I've had experiences and maybe you have too, where you realize maybe I shouldn't be talking right now. (laughs) Can I get the story out of them? Mm. And is there a strategy for that? Because you know, if you're trying to sell sometimes, it's almost better to see if you can get the story out of them. That's what I've seen in, in the oh, sales sure. process. Yeah. Yes. I think you have to earn the right. That's the old way of being trained, even ask the question. So just prefacing mm-hmm. something with, would you mind if I ask you a couple of questions so that I can customize what I'm going to tell you? Mm. I train my students to think of them, their brain like a jukebox, another music reference for you. Yep. And, <laughs> you know, a jukebox, you push a number and a letter and a song comes out. You want to have as many stories as possible in your jukebox, your brain, mm-hmm. so that you have the right story to go at the right time to the right person. 
not just maybe one or two stories. You need to have multiple stories of multiple situations of your ideal clients that you can then tell and people see themselves in. So in terms of getting people to open up to share with you something, I think just thinking of yourself as a doctor, asking a few questions, you know, nobody ever questions the doctor when he says, well, how long have you had this pain? And, you know, uh, does it hurt more in the night or the morning? You know, no one's like, why are you asking me these questions? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, wait a second. <laughs> I came here because I have a problem. Yeah, Therefore, yeah. you're going to ask me a few questions so that you can figure out what the best solution is. That's just sort of an accepted norm. Maybe you yeah. go someplace to get your haircut for the first time. And the person's like, well, you know, they're going to ask you some questions. Do you want it shorter? You want a extensions? You want it longer? Well, you know, what's the goal here? So yeah. I think once we think of ourselves as a co-pilot with our buyer, and then we're both in the cockpit together and we're like, okay, where are we going to go? Are we going to LA or New York? You know, mm -hmm. we, we know where we're going. And therefore, when you land the plane and ask to work together, it's no longer, it's not a surprise. Nobody ever says when they go, we're now landing, please book. No one says, what? We're landing? I thought we we're going to fly around <laughs> forever. Yeah. And yet so many conversations never land. Mm. So that's that mindset of let's be co-pilots and agree where we're going and all of that good stuff together. Wow. that That's awesome. You know, John, when we first uh, connected today, yeah, you shared with me that um, you are, are probably going to be moving to a really cool new development uh, here in Austin. Um, and we talked a little bit about that. But, you know, what I see, what that interprets for me, you know, in my brain is, is freedom. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, you, not everyone can, can do what you're doing, live the life you're living and really take what you love, your happiness and put it in the path of your profit, which I call <laughs> profitable happiness. I'd love to hear your perspective on the entrepreneurial life, the profitable happiness thing that you've experienced. Well, first of all, you know, having come from a corporate career, and becoming an entrepreneur, you have to realize if I make, let's just throw out a number, $100,000 of my job, I get this lifestyle. If I make $100,000 working for myself, oh, I have a lot of expenses I didn't have. As a <laughs> I've got my own insurance to pay for, my mm -hmm. website, my assistant, on, on graphics, on and on and on. So I think that was the first like little wake-up call. Yeah. I think the second part of it is um, there's not a steady stream of income when you first start out. Mm -hmm. And so there's peaks and valleys and your mindset of how do I handle that? Um, I remember when I had the courage to even say out loud, I want to give a TEDx talk. We have to quiet down that negative self-talk of who are you yeah, to do yeah. that and realize you step into it. And then the universe and people come into your life that can help you make that dream come true. But you first have to have the courage and the confidence to express what you want and be very mm -hmm. clear. When you're that clear, then people know how to help you. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, my TEDx talk, Be the Lifeguard of Your Own Life, came out a few years ago about how to embrace disruption way before the pandemic. And now, of course, it's more relevant than ever. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't like I just decided to do it and it happened. I had to take some training. I had to apply several times. I had to walk my own talk of not taking rejection personally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they were like, you know, listen, you're a good speaker, but it doesn't fit our theme. Oh, okay. So just keep <laughs> applying it. So eventually, you know, so I think when people just see the outcomes and not the journey to get there, you don't realize that uh, it's not always linear and you have to be so committed to why you're doing something that you don't give up when you get a couple of no's. Wow. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I have to say that 
for a lot of people who keep hearing, don't follow your passion. Don't, you know, it's almost like, fine, don't follow your passion, but bring your passion inside yeah. the things you do somehow, like bring it with you. Um, you know, you've really found a connection in, in, in this particular field of storytelling um, and selling. What are your upcoming projects that you might be excited about, some entrepreneurial things you're doing that, that we should know about? Well, I am really excited about getting to speak for a second time. You know, like you said, being invited back on your show a second time is an honor. Same thing yeah. is true uh, when clients hire me to come back and speak. If you do a really yeah. great job as a speaker, um, mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, they bring you back either for a bigger audience or a different audience. And so mm -hmm. uh, later this month, I'm going to be speaking to um, uh, a group of entrepreneurs who want to learn how to tell better stories and realize that it's not the facts and the figures that make that happen. And my course is something that gets packaged with my talks now. So that ah. say there's two or 300 people in the audience and they pay me a certain fee to speak. I also then can put that team through my online course and then work with them on telling these stories way beyond just the one off time of the talk. So the, yeah. the meeting planners love it because the impact of telling the stories and winning more new business happens long after my talk goes on because of the people going through the course. So that's yeah. really what I'm most excited about is um, doing that. I had a company turn all of the 200 people's stories into a repository map. So now Ooh. people can click on the map and see all the stories of their coworkers. So they have a much bigger jukebox, if you will, to share stories. And for, it's become an onboarding tool for new salespeople to get to know their sales colleagues that way by clicking on the map and reading their stories of origin and their own case stories. You know, I have to tell you, as a software developer, that's a product. Yes. Is it a product yet? Have you made it a product? Because that- I haven't made it a product, but you know, that marketing team turned it into one. So I'll show you what it looks like. It's, it's quite fun to have that interactive. That, is, that is a, pro I mean, I can imagine companies who don't know what their employees are feeling or are wishing for right. or, or have been, where they've been. Having a tool like that as really a way of saying, this is us, you know? This is us. And here's all of our individual stories. And the unexpected outcome has been that the repository map of all the case stories across three separate divisions that mm -hmm. are siloed is breaking down the silos. Mm. Because the rep at one division can now say to that doctor, you should talk to so-and-so at our energy division. And he has her case story ready to go, but he never knew her story before to even make the intro. Mm. Wow. Okay. So as we get close to kind of wrapping up, you know, I know this is, I'm going to cheat a little bit here because, you know, you're an expensive guy. I got to pay you to get stuff. <laughs> can, you, can you give us three of your best nuggets for how the average person, Joe or Jane, can con sort of convert their regular speech into story speech? Yes. Three, big, three little nuggets. Well, my favorite uh, nugget that I get a lot of great feedback from is two words. What if? Ooh. When you start a sentence like that, you tap into someone's imagination. You mm -hmm. start getting them to think about a possibility, even if they said no. For example, I, told, I was calling on Speedo at the time, and I asked them to advertise in my fashion magazine, and they said, no, we're going in a fitness one. And I said, well, what if we treated your sportswear like it was fashion and had a fashion show with the models at a hotel pool, and you could invite Michael Phelps. He's on your payroll. We get all kinds of publicity. And they go, oh. 
And then that I got the sale and I got to meet Michael Phelps from that story. <laughs> so as a former lifeguard, that was a big thrill. So what if is a big takeaway for a lot of people. The other awesome. one is what we sort of did before, which is get the butterflies in your stomach to fly in formation. Don't try to fight that nervous energy, get it to work for you. Get the nervous energy out of your stomach, make a gesture and get out of your head worrying about whether people like you or not mm. and be of service. And the final nugget is the old way of selling is ABC, always be closing. Mm -hmm. And mine is ABK, write it Ooh. on a post-it note. And it mm -hmm. stands for always be kind. Because Ooh. once again, how can we possibly give out kindness in the world if we're not kind to the way we talk to ourselves? So ABK instead of ABC. Okay. And the music part just kind of made me go, yeah, what is he talking about now? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's now let me just let you know i wrote it down so you want people to when they are in an objection situation or trying to figure out a way to communicate think of the what if angle right yep, exactly. that'll get them going another one is get the butterflies use that negative fear energy about speaking and selling and storytelling in your favor right or to use it for you right the butterflies to fly information yep blind fly information and the last one is ABK, always be kind. That yes. is just so cool. You know, John, all, all I can say is that as, as always, this is the second time we've, we've discussed, I really truly enjoy your view of the world. You know, wherever you're standing and looking at the world, all you see is stories. Many ah. of us see, yeah, many of us, me included, we see problems. You just see stories. It's like, okay, let's go tell them. <laughs> so yes. thank you so much for being a guest. I thank appreciate you for having it. me. It was a blast. All right. We'll talk soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Profitable Happiness Podcast. For more episodes, visit drpalay.com. And remember, get happy first and success will follow.